We enjoy every Thursday at 1 o'clock because that means we're going to have a chance to talk a little hockey with Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet. And every week he's brought to you by Carrie's Iyer, Remax Elite. Give them a call if you're in the market. Elliot, how you doing? Good, guys. How are you guys doing? We're doing fantastic after a nice 6-1 drubbing of the Ducks. And what's interesting... Funny how a 6-1 victory will make you feel really good about yourself, eh? Yeah, oh, <laughs> yes, especially when it's the Ducks. And that's where I was going with this. And I, I talked to Matthias Ekholm this morning for the pregame show. It was how, you know, the guys that were in that room, in that, that Western Conference final, you know, back... What's that been now? It's 2016, 20, so 2017. Yeah, hard to believe that's been three years. But how they still talked about it before the game and how that rivalry is still intact with the with the people, whether it was the Ducks players or the Predators players, the, those people that were intact and in place for that series and kind of this rivalry over the years, how there's, it's still there, which was, was pretty cool to hear. I thought it would maybe evaporate, but no, it, it's still there and still pretty nasty. Well, there's this thing about the Ducks, and, and it may change a little bit now that Perry's not there and eventually when Getzlaff retires or moves on or whatever, but it, the Canucks players used to tell me that with Anaheim, you never stop hating them. They're so annoying to play against, and they're so edgy, dirty, whatever word you want to use. And they, they said that they're not angels, and they make you not angels. So you really, really hate them. You legitimately cannot stand them. And when you play against those guys, like when you when you meet them on various um, you know national teams, you like them a lot better. But when they're all together, there's something about the Ducks that makes you just hate them. I'm not surprised that your players feel like that. Not at all. Yeah, and they don't even have Kessler out there. He's probably the most hated <laughs> of everybody. No, Perry was the worst. Well, that's Perry true. That's was, a good point. Perry was the guy. Like, the, the Anaheim fans, they loved Perry. Everybody else, they hated that guy. <laughs> and now he's in the Predators division. <laughs> and now, Speaking of, and, and don't worry, you'll still hate him now that he's in Dallas. Like, that's not going to change. No doubt about it. Speaking of the Predators division, uh, the Winnipeg Jets, uh, they yep. have not gotten off to a great start. Um, nope. Dustin Bufflin. What? What is that? There is no news, right? What? What is going on? We're coming up on the end of the first month of the season, and what's the deal with Big Buff? Not that anybody here is rooting for him to get back, but certainly up in the peg they are. What is there anything on that front, Elliot? Well, do you guys know the like the story of how it came down, or do you need kind of a bit of a refresher on that first? Let's let's just start you, especially people out there listening. Let's kind of go with the fresher and let you take it however you want. Okay, so last season, um, Buffalo had a couple of injuries, and one of them was an ankle injury, and it just never got better. You know, we played throughout the entire year. I mean, Buffalo's a tough guy, not just because he is, but the way he handles his own uh, physical situations. He plays with injuries. And he played with that ankle last year, and it really bothered him. And he still played a ton of minutes. And, you know, I think he went home last year. He figured he'd take the summer off. It would get better. And as he started to skate and get ready before the start of training camp, he realized his ankle hadn't gotten better. It hadn't healed. It was still really bothering him. 
And he actually, you know, he's from Minnesota. He lives in uh, the north part of the state, I think. But he moved his family back to Winnipeg. He put his kids in school. And on the eve of training camp, it still hadn't gotten better. And he just said, you know what, I'm, I'm not looking forward to this. I don't want to play like this. This is not a fun way to start the year. Sports hard enough as it is if you start the year healthy. He was starting the year far from healthy. And he just decided he wanted to take some time. And I have said and I have reported that I think he initially indicated he was thinking of retiring. And the Jets kind of talked him out of it. His relationship with the general manager of the Jets, Kevin Sheveldayoff, is really good. I think they had a heart-to-heart talk about it. And they said, look, take your time. Don't make any decisions. I thought he was retiring. I his agent called me about two weeks ago and said, I heard you said that don't assume anything. This is going to play out over time. And I've been told it might take a couple of months. Like I I was told, don't be surprised if this stretches well into November, December. And every time I check, I'm told status quo. Now it's the kind of thing guys that can change with one phone call. But as far as I know right now, he's still taking his time and I was told not to exp- not to be surprised if this lasts into another month or so. Interesting. Um, when we they talked to you last, they want him to play. They oh, want sure. him to play. Yeah. Holy cow! Uh, and by the way, they're dead last in the league on the penalty kill uh, right now, currently sitting at thirty first. When we talked to you last Thursday, the Predators were getting ready to wrap up their road trip in Glendale against the Coyotes, and it didn't go their way that night and I came away Elliot on Friday show and, and since that game and I know it's still very very early into a very long season I get it but I, I came away thinking a little bit uh, different about the Coyotes I feel like they're a team I get it they hung around last year to the end when nobody was talking about them but watching that Arizona Coyotes team like I think they <laughs> are a team that could be a legit playoff team do you agree or disagree no, I, I agree. I, I think that, I mean, the key thing is they started the year well. Like, my, my buddies have a joke they say about me. They're like, Elliot, that team was like you last year in high school. They couldn't score. That's what my buddies always <laughs> say about that stuff. So, they, uh, they, so last year they could not score. I think their leading goal score is something like 17 goals. I don't think they had anybody get 50 points. And they went out and they, they added Kessel. Um, he's a difference maker for them. They had a couple of guys who were hurt last year that have gotten off to really good starts. Like, to me, they're, they're a, a, a good team that plays with a lot of structure. They do what they're supposed to do. The question is, can they score? And right now, at least, the answer is they're getting enough. And if they get enough, they're going to be there all year. Like, that whole division, the Pacific, it's better than I thought it was. Uh, Vancouver looks better than I thought. I thought Arizona had a chance to be good. They look like they're good. Despite what you guys did to the Ducks on Tuesday night, they're a lot better than I thought they were going to be. I think there's a couple teams in that division that are better than I thought. But Arizona, I do agree with you. I think they're going to battle for the playoffs all year. Elliot Friedman is with us, sportsnet.ca. Elliot Willie here. Uh, I want to ask you about Kyle Turris. It's an interesting thing that is unfolding because it's almost like a catch-22 he's playing well let's assume that he continues on and looks more like the the 50 some odd point guy that he's been most of his career 
it is a little bit of a catch-22 because if you believe rumors that they were looking around and it would clear salary space and it's crowded with Duchesne there, but if he's producing, then they would probably say, well, why would we want to trade him? But if the value goes up, it's probably a good problem to have. I would agree with that, Willie, and I do believe the rumors. I think Nashville's been looking around. Um, I, I think they've been testing to see what Terrace's value is. I, I believe those stories. I mean, one of the things I've learned over the years, first of all, is that there's probably only about 10 guys in the league that wouldn't get traded if the offer was right. I mean, there's hmm. so chances are if you hear a name out there, the GM is at least asked around saying, if I put this guy out there, what's the value? And I do believe that has happened in his case. But you're right. I mean, the fact is, Nashville's not going to, if Nashville wanted to trade Kyle Turris for argument's sake, they're not going to be able to do it with his contract situation unless one of two things happens. A, either he plays a lot better, or B, they're taking something else that another team wants to give. And it's probably something that Nashville wouldn't want. You know, right now, if you're trading Kyle Turris, you're not trading from a position of strength. But if he continues to play the way that he's going, then either A, you're going to say, you know what, this is good for us, we're going to keep him because he's going, or we still need the cap room, we're going to make the deal, but you're going to have a chance to make a better deal. But I absolutely think they have put his name out there to see what his value is. They seem to really like Dante Fabro. I'm curious from where you sit, and especially with the Canadian perspective of what he did in the World Championships, how people view Dante Fabro right now, because he's a critical piece going forward in, in is Nashville a cup contender? He's got to be a big part of it. I think there's a lot of fans. I mean, you know, he's young. He'll make young mistakes. But he's really talented, and he's an impact player already. Um, I, I think that guy's got a lot of fans. He'd be one of the last young players in the league I'd be worried about, and he's only going to get better. I think you guys have a real gem there. What do you think uh, – you, you've got in your 31 Thoughts uh, a piece on Bill Guerin. With Minnesota here, uh, yep. we look at their lineup. They've got some banged-up guys, but they've played really well the last couple of games. The long view for, for the Wild, it's a pretty interesting one. I, I think they're going to have to reset it. You know, they when, when they made the GM change and Paul Fenton went out and, and, and they were looking to do the interviews – I was told right away that the number one contender for the job was Ron Hextall, who used to be the GM in Philadelphia. And from what I understand, uh, Ron Hextall went in there and he told the owner, um, you have to tear it down and start over. This is not good enough. And the owner wasn't ready to hear that. And I think Bill Guerin said, was, he came in and he said, I want to come in, prepared to let the team start the year the way it is, and I'll make my evaluations as I see what unfolds. And I think the owner was, you know, more willing to listen to that. Now, I'm not trying to say that Bill Guerin suckered the owner or anything like that. I don't want anything, anyone to misconstrue what I'm saying. But I, I think that the, that's, a team, that's an owner who so badly wants to win that he doesn't want to hear the word rebuild or reset or tear down. Now we've started the season. They kind of see where they are. You're right. They've, they, they've, They've rebounded a bit. They've won a couple of games since hitting rock bottom last week. But in your division, it's, it's not going to be good enough. And, you know, I spoke to Bill Guerin on the weekend. I asked him about, you know, what are you thinking? And he said, I'm not doing anything while I'm emotional. 
I'm not doing anything just for the sake of doing it. So I think he's gathering information. It's like what we just talked about with Turris. He's gathering information. He's finding about what the value of his players are. And when he, if he gets something that he likes, he'll do it. But the idea of him making a panic move to save the season, I don't think that's happening. I think Minnesota is beginning to understand what it's going to have to do. Elliot, one thing we talk about a lot year to year is workload for Pecorine, especially mm-hmm. with a young goalie that they like in UC Soros. I noticed in, Ve- in Vegas, we were just there last week, Marc-Andre Fleury is playing almost every game. He, even the game that he didn't start at that point of the season, he had come in relief. Are, are you worried about workload if you're a Vegas fan for him? He, he seems to be unique. I, I think that, you know, one of the things that's kind of happening in sports right now is, you know, with all the sports science, I think sometimes we lose the individual. Like, you know, like, for example, when Henrik Lundqvist signed his big contract in New York, he was 31 years old, and he signed with an eight-year deal. People were like, that's a garbage contract. That'll never work because he's too old. And you know what? He's going to give them full value for that contract. I always believe that the people who know best are the people there. If Nashville is saying Rene has to play less, then they're looking at it because we know Pekka Rene. We know him better than anybody else, and we believe that this is what's going to make him effective. I look at Fleury, and that guy's like a freak of nature. Now, Vegas has to sort out their backup goaltending. Oscar Dance went into Philly the other night and got clobbered. They're trying a new guy out now. They called up Garrett Sparks. But I, I look at Vegas, and I look at Fleury, and I'm betting they want to play him a little bit less than they are. But I bet you they're also looking at this guy and saying he's a freak of nature. He loves to play. He's not getting worse. He's still effective. You don't look at him the last two years and say he looks tired. I think they know what they're gambling with. And put it like I would just say that if, if, if you're going to gamble with someone, I look at the way he's playing and I'm saying I'm gambling with him. And by the way, how, were you guys up or down? Like, how did you do? <laughs> we were, you know, we were there, Elliot, from Saturday night. We had an afternoon game in Los Angeles. So we got there at a reasonable hour Saturday and we're there all the way up through Tuesday. So there was probably a lot of different points for a lot of different people up or down. But I try to stay away as much as I can. No, you know what? Like, I got to tell you, the important thing is that you guys were there for two and a half days or whatever it was. And you made and you made sure you did it. I would be so disappointed if I heard you were there for that long and you didn't take advantage of everything that Vegas had to offer. It's like going to Nashville for two and a half days and not taking advantage of Nashville. That would be embarrassing and terrible, and I'm glad to hear it didn't happen. (laughs) Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet here with us. And, uh, Elliot, you know, when you talk about the Preds' defense, Roman Yossi obviously comes to mind, and we've we've had some conversations with you about him and the contract. But Ryan Ellis has really stood out to me in the early part of the season, leading the team right now in points. And and I know that's an offensive stat, but, I mean, he, he seems like a different Ryan Ellis. And David Poyle told us on Tuesday when he was with us that, you know, it felt like something was off last year with him, that maybe he was battling an injury. He played in all 82 games, but he seems to be back to form and what got him that eight-year contract. Well, last year was the first year of the deal, right? Uh, this, I, it started this year. It started this year. Okay, so yep. 
like, but the thing is, so he signed it early last year, correct? After he came right. back from injury, right? Yeah, so, last last all, summer. So, 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 first of all, he was hurt, and you know that always is a factor. As you guys mentioned, he played, but he didn't look like Ryan Ellis because number one, he's a great player, and everybody knows he's a great player. But the other thing too is, and I'm a big believer in this. I think there's a lot of guys. They sign a big contract. As a matter of fact, I was just talking about this with a GM this morning who's got a player who's really struggling. And he, they sign him to a big contract, and they're telling him, you don't, you're not going to earn your contract in two weeks. Like, there's a reason we signed you to this deal. Be that guy. Don't be the guy who has to earn the contract in two weeks. And I think that that happens. And so you're battling. You're not healthy. But I, I could see him also feeling a bit of pressure because he cares. And he says, I've got this big contract now. Nationals made a big bet on me. I've got to earn it. And I actually did something like this about seven years ago, and maybe I should update it. But I did a thing on guys who sign big deals and how they do the year they sign it or the first year of the new deal and then the year, a- or, and then the year after. And it's amazing how many guys drop in year one or and get better in year two. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Like now that contract is in the rear view mirror. It's regular part of his life now. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's different. He's a great player and that's just the end of that. One thing that we've been talking about here nine games into the season is, you know, defense as a whole for the Predators and that they've upgraded on offense, but they lost PK Subban, so they may have taken a step back, at least momentarily from the defensive side and it kind of starts with the third pairing could you see here in the near future even well before the deadline david Poyle possibly looking at making some upgrades defensively absolutely i could see that like i have a list i call it's my big brass ones list and those are the gms (laughs) who have the big brass ones and david Poyle is on that list like you look at the trades that guy has made in the last few years weber for suvan the second Subban deal, the Jones for Johansson. Like you look at all the big deals he's made, you think that if he sees something that he's got to sort out, he's going to be afraid to do it. You know he's already looking around and saying, "When I'm ready," or he's checking, "Hey, if if this guy becomes available, or what are you doing with this guy?" You know he's already laying the groundwork and. You guys don't even need to ask me the question. You know he'll upgrade it if he wants to. Well, he sits down with us every Tuesday on the show, so we'll pass along that you said he's on the big brass ones list. <laughs> yeah, he'll I'm sure he'll appreciate that. that. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot, we appreciate it every Thursday at 1 o'clock. Thanks for doing it. We'll do it next Thursday. All right, guys. Have yourselves a great weekend. You do the same. Thanks, Elliot Friedman brought to you every week by Kerry Zire. Remax Elite. Going to want to be listening. We'll give you the question on the other side. The person who can answer it is going to see the Predators and the Blackhawks next Tuesday. That's October 29th, right here, Bridgestone Arena. Uh, Preds, Blackhawks, second to last game of the month, and we will do that on the other side. Remember, it's something that happened in the Elliott Friedman interview. Okay? So. Get ready. In fact, if you want to jump in there, you can go on and load up the phone lines. 615-737-1025. More of Darren, Donnick, and Chase next.